upon a target when was the scene In the project that they call Fort Green They live the young man, send the fellas his name To make it interesting, it's me, Dana Dane I live in a house with my two stepdad And two stepbrothers who treated me bad I cook, I clean, I scrub the floors And I was like an Evan boy running to the stores My brothers, they used to boast and brag We've got fresh gear and you've got rags Even worse than that, to make me feel low They gave me a straw hat while they had kangaroos Girls used to say, dang, you're so cute But you get snow rap with them polyester suits Well, one day up the avenue There was a man surrounded by the four green crew He said, hear ye, hear ye, come one, come all The princess is having a royal ball If you can rap all so dressed fresh You might win a date with the sweet princess Well, I um, ran home when I heard the new flash I bust through the door straight to my stepdad I said, stepdad, may I? And before I could finish, hell no, he replied My brothers began when they would get down Even pops was gaming for a piece of the crown They flaunted, they haunted, they knew what I wanted We can and you can is what they taunted They all stood there, laughing in my face And as they walked out, they said Clean up this place This is a bad day today But I'm Hey everybody, welcome back to The Hustle, it's John Lamoureux. Alright, we're keeping it in the hip-hop genre this week with our guest, the rapper Dana Dane. So if you don't remember Dana Dane, his, his debut album from 1987, With Fame, made a pretty pretty big splash. It included this hit right here, Cinderfella, great tune, made a big impact on me when I was 14 years old. It didn't sell millions, but it sold half a million. And it really was starting to kind of bubble up on, on the underground, point the way toward a very up-and-coming, very interesting young rapper. Where was he going to go? He ended up putting out two more albums over the next eight years. But unfortunately, it, they just never, they got less and less successful. Even though the music was great, it was just sort of like hip-hop kind of moved away from Dana. So in this conversation, we talk a lot about that and how he felt about all of that. He actually came up with Slick Rick. They were best friends. Slick Rick is a legend. And so we talk about coming up with Slick Rick, being a part of the Kango crew. Uh, we talk about the multimedia company, the Def Beat that he's working on right now, what he does to kind of pay his bills, and sort of the legacy, some of the highlights of his career. I had been wanting to track down Dana for a long time. He eventually was willing to talk, and I'm so grateful that he did. I hope you guys will hear some great stuff if you like hip hop. He called me from his home in LA. I was surprised to learn he lived in LA, not New York. Uh, this is really uh, kind of surreal talking to you. I got to tell you how I became a Dana Dane fan. So I was a suburban white kid growing up in the, in Salt Lake City, Utah in 1987. <laughs> and I, as a lot of suburban white kids were, I was really into hip hop, especially at that point, kind of the golden age of hip hop. And I have to admit, I had I didn't really stick with it over the years. I, I held on to a few of my favorite artists, but that particular time, high school, junior high, was big for me. And I remember a friend of mine making me a tape of Dana Dame with Fame. So I had a copy of a copy of a copy. You know what I mean? And yeah, yeah. I I felt like I was holding something really secretive and special, like a treasure, because you know. Cinderfella was not getting played on the Salt Lake City pop radio stations. So 
Well, hip hop wasn't getting played anywhere like that uh, that much anyway. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. That's true. And I don't believe there was a video for it either. So I didn't know anything about you. I just thought that I had had gotten my hands on something really underground and really special, right? So I used to play with fame over and over and over again because I felt like I had this really special secret thing, and I'd play it for my friends. And Now, as I got older, I realized that you were actually pretty big in New York especially. Your album went gold and all of that, but I had no knowledge of that. So I just felt like I was this special kid with this special bit of music in his in his possession. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway... So I, you may not have known it, but you were having a positive effect on some young teenagers in Salt Lake City at that moment. So there you go. Oh, that's very cool. That's very yeah. cool. Thank you very much. <laughs> you bet. <laughs> I don't always go into people's origin stories because I feel like a lot of that information is already out there somewhere. But now I know, I mean, Cinderella is basically, in a lot of ways, your life story, or at least up to that point, right? Fort Greene Project. Uh-huh. No, yeah, not I mean really. the, the no, not really. I mean the surroundings are, but the, the the song was really more about what I wanted to happen for myself. Uh, you know what I mean? Okay. You know, I you know I, I live with my mom and my sister. You know, uh, I didn't have any brothers or anything like that, and you know it wasn't. I mean, it was hard times, of course, but yeah. and, you know, Cinderella was projecting what I wanted to be. You know, I oh, wanted to be. It. Uh, famous. I wanted to be, you know, respected as a, a rapper and well known and celebrated, and get the girl at the yeah. end of the story. So, yeah. you know, what I mean, uh, it some, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it has some layers that reflect my life, of course, because just the uh-huh. way that how hip hop is built. But for the most part, it wasn't, you know, my life per per se. Okay. But it was what I wanted to project to be. You know. Okay. Yeah. Sure. That makes sense. I think that's what a lot of rap is built on. You know. Yeah, uh, it is. Yeah, a yeah. lot of it is is which where you came from or where you like to go. But like Public Enemy talks about in the present that sometimes uh, somehow became the past and the future. So you know yeah. what I mean. But yeah, uh, I think yeah, a lot of artists project where they want to be, and then they continue to project that even after they've gotten there. You know, yeah, that makes go a lot further, of sense. You know, so yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. I feel like, and I'm going to spout a lot of opinions, and you may, dis- you'll probably disagree with me because, like I said, I'm just some white guy from Salt Lake City. But <laughs> I feel, I feel like, you know, so much of like project life. So many rappers sort of romanticize or grow or glamorize growing up in the projects with the drugs and the crime and the violence and everything like that. And something I always appreciated about you was that you never. It didn't seem to me like you were trying to come off hard. That you were. You were seemed like a good guy who was who was kind of projecting good times and more po- a positive spin on things. Maybe yeah, I have that wrong, uh-huh. but that was my sense. No, you got that right. No, you got that right. You got okay, that absolutely good. right. Cause, uh, good. I was from one of the worst projects in Brooklyn, actually. You know what I mean? And, yeah. you know, the, the crime rate, the murder rate, you know, people next door, people living in my building, you know, people in the next building, people I went to school with were getting killed, and I, yeah. I was seeing it, you know, at a young yeah. age. And it was... But, you know, um, they romanticize it because it's also one of the most incredible times of your life as well as you survive it, you know. Sure, uh, sure. I, I don't know if that makes sense. It's almost like a badge of honor to make it out of there or to have yeah. survived a certain age and live through it. So I can see how that happens. And, uh, you know, coming from that, I had a mindset of that as well. I wasn't going to make it to this age. Then I wasn't going to yeah. make it to that age. And then when yeah. I made it to that age, I said, oh, wow. 
it's all yeah. possible. You get to that next age, you know what I mean? So yeah. with that said, yeah, I think a lot of a lot of them romanticized it. But when I was doing my music, I didn't, uh, and I knew I could speak to that, you know, because uh-huh. uh, like a jungle, Melly Mel's, uh, Furious Fives, uh, uh, I like like a jungle sometimes. Uh, the message came out. It had that that hardcore street edge that was talking directly to that, like. But you know, my, my thing was I, I wasn't always going to be my surroundings. I you know. Uh, I want to project good times because that's what I felt like it should be. That's where I yeah. wanted it to be. You know, like I said, yeah. I wanted to project something different from what, you know, people would generally hear coming from the projects. And, I, right. you know, this one day do me a, a gangster rap one day, you know. Yeah. Thug. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's what I've always appreciated about you is that I felt is that more of a positive spin on things. But, I, got, I mean, i got to ask, I you tell me, were there trappings of – growing up in the projects that you fell into, or have you managed to sort of rise above a lot of that stuff in your life, especially your young no, life coming up? No, I got in trouble just like everybody else. I got in okay. trouble. Almost went to jail, you know, a couple of times. Okay. Uh, could have been in more serious uh, situations. Almost killed a few times. Uh, oh yeah, I, I've been through a little bit of, of it all. Been robbed, been the robber. Sure. But, you know, you, when you're kids, you're doing a lot of dumb stuff, you know, especially yeah. in the projects. And a lot of peer pressure. And then at the same time, I stayed away from a whole bunch of stuff, you know? Yeah. As much yeah. as I did, I didn't do nothing compared to what cats were doing, you know what I right, mean? Right. So uh, I, I was I, I was nowhere near as thuggishes or, or, you know, criminal as some of my, my, my people I knew or grew up with or, you know, came up from uh, elementary school and how they yeah. grew up and, and became, you know? So yeah. it, it's two sides of it, you know? Yeah. But I lived okay. in the project, so... Yeah, so it's everywhere, I guess, right? You came up with Slick Rick. And so i got to ask the thing that I've always wondered, because, again, as a kid, I'm confused because I'm listening to the With Fame album, and there's your introduction where you're it's so funny to this day. I love it. But you have an American accent, and then you start rapping, and you've got a British accent. And I'm really confused who the real Dana Dana Who is this guy? There's no Internet in 1987 for me to look you up or find out what's going on. Was the was the uh, I, so it was just this super fascinating, intriguing thing to me. So many mysteries and riddles, you know, wrapped up in this Dana Dane guy. Who is this guy? So I think I read somewhere that Rick had mentioned that he thought you were sort of put upon to use a British accent by your record label. Is that true? Uh, no. Nah. Okay. Not at all. I, okay. I don't know. If Rick did say that. It probably could be true, but you know, in high school, was five of us. You know that rap together, uh, Lance Brown, Kulowski, Omega the Heartbreaker, Slick Rick, and we all used somewhat of a non. Well, they they wanted to sound more American in school. I said their accent, Jamaican and the English accent was the dopest ever, and they uh-huh. should use that accent. So as we were developing our rap as the Kango Crew, that's what we were known as the Kango Crew. Sure. Uh-huh. Uh, without the L, without the L. Without we the hat, we would okay. Yeah, without the hat. So we the Kango crew. We the rap group, not the hat. <laughs> Interesting. We rap, so not what the does hat. Kango mean without the L? What's that? What does that name mean? We were still rocking the hats, you know. Okay. But we weren't the Kango. We weren't representing the Kango hats. We were just Got representing. It. We like rocking the hats, but and it gave us some identity. But we were the Kango crew, you know. Okay. We still watch, you know. That's just okay. our name, you know. Okay. I didn't know that that had some secret meaning. Okay. Got it. No, okay. No, not at all. You know, we okay. tried to win Kango hats. We took off the L. 
simplest. Uh-huh. <laughs> simplest. Got that's it. All. Okay. You know. Okay. With that, we just developed this, the sound, you know, from doing routines together. And I, you know, slowly but surely, the action became more and more of me. And as I, you know, uh, stretched out and did all my contests, my battles, I always kind of rap with that pseudo English accent. But at uh-huh. the time, you know, I didn't think nothing of it. You know, I, the, the way I would um, talk about it now would be different from them. But and knowing you just being a movie person. You know, they use all types of accents in the movies, and none of them are really their accents. People mm-hmm. from Europe sound like they're American, you know. Right. Americans sound like they're British or German, and yeah. it's acting. And, you know, uh, it's entertainment in hip-hop just as well. Even though rap was born on something different, you know, realism, but even sure. with that, it's still entertainment. So, yeah. you know, uh, if I would have spoke to it before and really, you know, uh, expressed it, that's what my, always my thought was. It's entertainment, you know. Yeah. Some people yeah. didn't like it. Some people did. But, you know, after, after it's all said and done, they couldn't deny the lyrics. They couldn't deny the flow. They couldn't deny the music. Sure. They couldn't deny the, the arrangement of the songs and, the, yeah. you know, the, the pure creativity of the songs. So, yeah. actually not, I think the songs would have carried, you know. So, that's yeah. what it is. That's okay. my that's my thought. I don't know. <laughs> okay, okay, that makes sense. So you went to high school then with Slick Rick, is that right? Yeah, yeah, we went to high school together. We went to okay. high school. Okay, and your your album came out before his by about a year. But were you two? Because there's a similar kind of vibe and sound and element of fun in both of your albums. I've always thought. Were you recording them around the same time? How, how were you sort of influencing each other, or is it more just? We grew up together, so it's natural that our music would sound <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's what it was. Yeah, really? that's what it was. We, we, we were in a group. We rapped together. You know, yeah. we, we had similar styles. We dressed alike, you know. Sometimes yeah. we come to school together and have on the same gear, uh, on the same color gear, <laughs> head to toe, and never even talk to each other on the phone about what we were going to wear, because that's how connected <laughs> we were in high Got school. It. So, you know, just coming up and doing songs, you know, most of yeah. those songs, you know, I heard uh, Slick with the album before it came out, and, yeah, and vice versa. He heard okay. the songs. He knew the raps because okay. we had been around each other. So, you know, Interesting. It, it okay. Was, yeah, just one of those things. You know, and, and interesting, but I'm working on my documentary now called All I Ever Wanted. And right. um, it, it speaks to, you know, about me and Slip Rick and our whole, um, what people thought of our relationship. Okay. Here. So that's going to be good. But cool. interesting for people to check out. Yeah. Tell me about this. Tell me about the documentary. Sounds like you're working on it now, so a release date might be too aspirational. But what's the plan for this documentary? Yeah, so we're looking to have all the filming done by May, on the on the month of uh, the release of my Danny Dan Hussein album. I want to okay. release another project, an EP, on that same day and wrap up the filming of okay. the uh, documentary, so we can go into post production. So with that said, probably not into 2018, uh, okay. uh, early 2018, will the film come out? You know, depending on how fast we're going to edit it, it could be the end of 2017, but I okay. would really think to it, 2018. Really, okay. You know, early 2018. I've always wondered why there isn't an episode of Unsung done on you. That's one of my very favorite shows. And in fact, that's what... It was, uh, I think, about a, you know what show I'm talking about, right? The, on the yeah. TV One channel? Well, I think it was about well, a year thanks ago. To them. What's that? They, they, they inspired me. They inspired me to do my documentary. Did they? Had a okay. Yeah. yeah. I had a discussion with them, and they didn't think uh, my story was the right fit, you know, for the rotation at this time. And I said, you know what? 
you know, thank you for the inspiration. Why would I should have let y'all own the story anyway? I can, I can own right. my own story. And, yeah. I, and I started working on it. And I, you know, invested some money okay. and, and went out and started making it happen. So it was a blessing for me. I, Good. I'm glad they said it wasn't right for them at the right time because I probably would have did it. And I wouldn't have owned the story. I, it was just been another story. Yeah. It would have been great. Don't get me wrong. It would have been yeah. great. It's, you know, I, probably that I had a lot of love offers. But this way, I own the story. I make the story what I want it to be and cool. what I wanted to say. And it becomes my story all, yeah. all inclusive. So um, I'm, I'm excited about the opportunity. So I thank them very much. Okay. So much love cool. Unsung. I watch them all the time. But, oh, I know. Me too. You know? That's my favorite show. Yeah, I, um, they, they, do some, they do some good shows over there. Yeah, they absolutely. Do. I've seen you on there as a talking head a couple of times, and I'm blanking on yes. who, who the artists yes. were. Houdini. 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 Kwame. Yeah. I think one more. Yeah. Yes, Houdini and Kwame for sure. Oh man, yeah. it was so. That was the first time I'd seen you in twenty years. When I, you know, and I was like, "There's my guy. There he is." You know, it was so <laughs> like, cool to see I wonder you what happened there. to that dude, man. <laughs> I know that's what it was. I've always wondered. So okay, all right. Well, that's good. I've always wondered what the story with that uh, with unsung or or uh, the movie or whatever. That's cool. Good to know. Okay, I want to know where Herbie the Love Bug where he fits into your story because i know he he produced some of your early stuff but you know he's sort of famous for having sort of discovered salt and pepper and kid and play would you say he discovered you or did he just work with you on your music i was one of those few artists that he didn't discover and i met him early on and we connected after nightmares Nightmares okay. already out. It was already a big song. Yep. Uh, so I, it was time for me to die. And I already started working on my second song, which is the Lance of Sweden. I can't expect it any plain, all that I'm entertain. All people call me Bane, but my real name is Dana. I came here just to put you on, because I'm taking the rap thing world by storm. In the a rap, I've made a change. A change that no other elder can claim. Now what I've done will make you laugh. Be offended by the words I pass. I'll make you tickle, make your butt wiggle. You'll tell your friends and they'll chuckle and giggle. Now, this little story called the Lancey Street is the place where clothes are bought and people meet. Each city has a place that's quite the same, even though it might go by a different name. The And yep. Nina, uh, my producer fell out, and I ended up uh, working with uh, Herbie Lovebug. Herbie uh-huh. Lovebug, the producer, super producer. Yeah. yeah, yeah, the super producer, Herbie <laughs> Lovebug. Man, he did a lot of great music for um, Salt and Pepper and myself sure and, and Kid and Clay and Anthony okay. and Sweet Tea and a whole bunch of other stuff that people don't even know he did. So Herbie Lovebug yeah. is the man. Okay, good. You know, do you keep in touch with these guys? I mean, are you, do you still know Herbie and Slick Rick? Yeah, absolutely. Me and, me, me and Rick are lifetime friends. So okay. you know, I've known him since I know Rick, Rick since I was 14, 15 years old, man. So, you know, that's real friendship. you keep got to yeah. keep those. You know, right. and Herbie Lovebug, absolutely full circle. We're still connected, you know. We've known Good. each other for a lot of years. And then our careers went different ways. We lost touch. Yeah. And now we're back in touch. Life goes on, we move it forward, okay. we make it move, make it shake. Cool. Mm-hmm. Herbie probably doesn't have to do another thing the rest of his life. He can just live off mailbox money from Push It and Let's Talk About Sex. 
Right. Hey, listen, that's right. And not to mention whatever numbers might be coming in from Kid and Play. So yeah, no kidding. It's all right. Yeah, hey, look, let's, yeah, let's talk about sex pushing. And uh, you got a couple of other ones under there, too. I can't do yeah. right now. You know? I know. But, uh, so yeah, many hits. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that's what yeah, I thought. So many hits. Cool. Okay. Yeah. Why were there no videos to Cinderella? Uh, the record label, they didn't believe in making money on it. But you, you sold know? half a million copies, didn't it, at one point? They think, let's. Plus, Yo! MTV Raps is starting to kind of blow up. Like, Rick's a big deal. I know he's a year later, but it's like, why would you not make a video for this thing? Hey, you know, it's politics and music. It's politics and politics. It's politics yeah. and money. It was <laughs> politics a bunch of politics, and politics back in the day. You, you know what it. I mean? So uh-huh. it was a lot of uh, maneuvering and all types of things going on. Yeah, I'll talk about that, too. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, so, yeah I've wondered yeah. about that. So, okay, so uh, Forever comes out. Your second album comes out in 1990. I don't actually even, again, I'm in Salt Lake City, so what do I know? Did it make much of a splash? I mean, nah, I don't. Nah. Uh, it, I didn't know any songs off of it or anything like that. Yeah, that that, that album did uh, not so well. It was the follow-up album to that they were saying, uh-huh. and the vibe on that album was, not good at all. So we went really, as they say back in the day, double wood. Oh man, <laughs> I call that double wood. Double yeah. wood. We had one good song on there though. We had one. No, we had a, a, a couple of good songs on there, but we had one good song was Lonely One. We should learn to cherish and appreciate what we have now, because at any point in time, it can be snatched away from us. Now I figure with the trigger, I can end this all. I could finish my past before I could fall. Staring in the mirror like so many have done. Trying to solve my problem down the barrel of a gun. Thinking to myself, what kind of grief and sorrow would have a human being forfeited tomorrow? Well, in my eyes, I learned to escape. In my mind, will my past reshape? I shook, I shiver, I began to quiver. Wondering if I could ever forgive her for leaving me with a broken heart. My spirit and soul torn apart. My blue skies gray, my future lost. The present full of pain and remorse. Believe in me, the way I am. By myself, forever alone. That's the, the, the real, the one good song that came off of that album, even though it was never released as a single. Uh, it was Lonely Man. So, but it was all good, okay. you know. It, okay. it was a learning process. You feel yourself and you move forward and try to experiment on some things new. They don't work. Yeah. Now, when you, I mean, this is easy for you to say now that it didn't work. When you were making that album, are you feeling like it's not working? Or are you thinking, this is hot. I got some good stuff here. I'm excited for the world to hear this. And then it comes out, and it kind of falls flat. Nah, I was feeling like it wasn't working. But, oh, really? You, know, you knew while you it. were making it that it wasn't, it wasn't happening. Yeah, yeah, you can, yeah, yeah. And then you know, I guess you can say hindsight is twenty twenty, but at the same time, you know, it was you, you know, you know when you you're doing something and why you're doing it, you know. Uh-huh, and uh-huh. like I said, you know, a lot of that stuff is gonna be covered in the documentary. You know what okay. I mean? So okay. that's why I'm not really speaking too too okay. much to that okay. right now. So, that's but. Fine. You know, okay. you know, you know when uh, it's not doing. But I, I'll talk further about that. You know, but that's a good okay. question, though. And, okay. You know, so. Yeah. If I ask anything that's 
that you're gonna you're planning on covering in your movie, just tell me, and we don't have to get into it. So yeah, now yeah, one thing, you know. okay. One thing I am curious about, though, and this is something that we try to cover on this podcast. That's why it's called the hustle. Is how people pay their bills. When you're, you know, with fame comes out, and it's a relatively good success. And what are you just rapping? Are you being a full time musician and paying your bills that way? Or are you? Do you have to have like a regular job? How are you supporting yourself during this, you know, four year span? I guess we'll say from about eighty six to ninety. When you're really uh, kind yeah, of more we, in the thick of it. Yeah, when, when I was uh right before I signed my contract, I was working, and as soon as I signed the contract, I would say, a couple of months, I quit. I quit my job. What was your job after that? Uh, I was a messenger for Dreyfus, like a, a mail clerk. I worked, worked in okay. the offices, and you know, back in the day, you used to have to take the bonds over to the different brokers and have them sign them in person, and then you walk them back over to another building, things like that. Now they got high tech stuff, I guess. And I yeah. don't know. Yeah. They're probably seen it by, uh, you know, digital signature. <laughs> sure, sure, <laughs> I right, know. right. But I, I think they still probably do that where they got stuff couriered over. And I was just, uh, you know, we used to, I used to work in the Williams Dyson building and up there. No, it was full time. Okay. And I was going to school at the time. Yeah, no, okay. I was going to school at the time. So. Oh, interesting. Yeah, you yeah, went yeah, to college, yeah. right? Where'd you go to college? Bronx Community and BMCC, uh, both uh, community colleges. Cool. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I quit working because then I started making money from doing shows. And, yeah. Okay. That's that's what I was going to ask you about. And okay. the money I was making from doing shows was more than I was making from mm-hmm. working. And, you know, it wasn't a lot of money, but it was a lot of money for me. So yeah, you know, sure. uh, I went from getting five hundred dollars a week to five hundred dollars a show. Yeah. So, and yeah. I, if I was doing two or three shows, that was good little money. I could pay my bills and and uh, continue that. Right. But, you know, the more money you get, the more money you spend. That's right. <laughs> it's true for everybody, pretty much, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Some yeah. people know how to hold on to it, but hey, that's right. <laughs> Do you have what's your when you look back on those days when you're coming up and your, you know, your dreams are becoming realized, whether they went all the way like Cinderella or if it's just I am I'm in this I'm in the game I'm I'm making music people are hearing it. What were some of your I mean you talk about playing shows. Do you, do any shows stick out in your mind as being especially interesting or good? Maybe there were a lot of people there. Maybe you played with somebody that was a hero of yours. Something happened. Do you have any recollections that are really tasty or fun from that period? I, I remember, you know, it wasn't even my show at the time, though. You know, I, I was on the road a lot, but it was, uh, I was with Tor and Pepper, and we were in, I want to say we were in my, Miami. I, I must believe we were in Miami. Okay. So many places, but they were shooting a video for Push It, you mm. know, and it was a live video, and mm. they had a nice crowd out there in the audience, and I was standing on the side, and it was really the first time that I had seen a video of a performance get made, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. and made into a video, you know. Yeah. Even though I've seen it on TV, I was actually, you know, on the sideline, okay, we're going to do it over one more time, crowd, we need it. Yeah. We it about three or four times. <laughs> I'm like, right. okay, that's kind of okay. dope, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. But, uh, you know, that whole that whole thing, too, as well, and, and when I talk about salt and pepper, it goes back to the Fat Boys and mm-hmm. um, uh, salt and pepper, UTFO, Heavy Bean, the Boys, 4x4. Four four. Uh, we were on tour together, so that was part of They were part of the group in the tour, okay. in the tour groups that we were on for about three to six months until uh, the 
the Fat Boys left the tour, and then it became Danny Gang, Salt and Pepper, Salt and Pepper, Danny Gang. Okay. So I forgot what we cool. called them after that, but yeah, okay. those were some good times. Yeah, those were the days, right? So Forever comes out, 1990. It underperforms. Your third and final album come, doesn't come out for five more years. By the way, I love your I love rolling with Dana Dane. I think that has so many hits on it, if you ask me. But what were you, were you, how were you maintaining yourself during those five years? It's kind of a long time. Were you still making music? <laughs> were you producing people? Were you having to do other things? What, what makes up that five-year gap right there? Yeah, so the, the short version, I'll tell you, uh, you know, because uh, like I said, this is another part yep. of the okay. documentary. The, the short version is that I uh, left Profile Records, I signed the Rap-A-Lot Records, I didn't uh, release any music on the Rap A Lot Records. Then I got a deal with Lifestyles, Maverick Records, and okay. that was in California. So I went from Houston to California, and then uh, that's when I started working on the project with Battle Cat. And the Rolling mm-hmm. with Dane project came out. And that's why it came out '95. So it was a, the process was me moving from one label to the next label. So that was really took up that time and me trying to find a home that felt right for me to release my next music on. Uh, getting away from uh, profile records. So Mm -hmm. that was one of the things. So it was just some time-consuming things. And then the process of, uh, you know, once finding a label, just creating the project again uh, from scratch. And and I I agree with you, too, on that. Not because of my album, but, uh, you know, I'm kind of real with my album. I knew my first album was dope. I knew that was Uh dope. The second one I knew was a problem. You know what Uh I mean? I was hoping Uh that something hit and I did get yeah. to the next one, you know what I mean? Yep. And then the yep. third album, Rolling With Dane, I knew I had some good songs on there. Oh, uh, yeah. But I also knew the timing of the album might have been a little bit off with what the sound was happening at the time. Really? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Even though the, we had the right sound, the vibe of the music was a little bit still more gangster, you know what I mean? And more edgy ed- mm. to me at that time in the 90s. And I still was coming across cool and smooth and yeah. It's, you know, it just, I don't, and Maverick, I don't think, knew how to really promote that and get me into a lane, you know what I mean, uh-huh. and get me into yeah. a lane to fit. So even with the songs that I had and even, uh, you know, we put out record jocks that were familiar to people with a story about some girls, and yeah. then we did the Rolling with Dane that was that, you know, it moved Dane to Dane's joint, uh-huh. and then we went all the way left and did the Chester. Song, you know uh-huh. what I mean, uh-huh. and which was the, one of the dopest songs to me I ever wrote in creative. Damn! Every time I turn on the news, some way, somehow, another child has been abused. I'm confused. What kind of people do we live among? They must be sick doing the things that's being done. See what I'm saying, y'all? Young children being raped and battered, all the falling victim to the ratatatata. Who protects them? Who respects them? When their own family neglect them, it's time we Let's check, check these mother. And let them know that we can't have this type of madness. Scurrying our kids for life and putting others in their casket. It's time we make a change of day. So there won't be no more mothers to hear their child say. The meaning, the feeling, the the hook, everything to me came together, uh, even with the video uh, about Dick Scott. So that was a a good song. And then I had other joints on there that, 
you know, I, I thought Will we'll, we'll, uh, Show Me Love and Nina. I mean, they all sound like they deserve a Hype Williams-directed video from the mid-'90s. You know what I mean? So I'm really surprised yeah, they that production. they don't. Yeah. There's some good production. Battlecat did a thing on there. You know, I had my man Third Rail from Brooklyn. He, he uh-huh. put some music in there. And then I had my man Smash Money from Philadelphia. He did a couple of tracks, I think a track uh, on there. But, but for the most part, Battlecat did uh, the majority okay. Of, okay. of the project. And, so that uh, yeah. so Roland comes out and it probably underperforms too. I'm guessing you're probably happier with the way that that it turned out, but not as but the you know it's not a, it's still not a success unfortunately. And that's your last album. Where'd you go after this? What happened? I know you do a million yeah. things now, but what immediately after did you make a conscious decision and think I'm done with trying to be a rapper? I'm, I can't do it anymore, or uh, yeah. Forced to yeah, make basically. that. You really? Okay. So yeah, tell yeah, me yeah. about I making just, uh, that decision. Well, I just uh, had my son, and I decided that I was going to go and pursue other situations. And uh, okay. we moved back to New York, and I was just basically, uh, you know, making my way through life, trying to figure yeah. out what I was supposed to be doing while okay. I was raising my son. So, okay. And I, I moved towards that. You know, I'm, I've always been creative, so I've, I've yeah. been creative throughout the whole process, you know what I mean, in different ways. And I've been doing things here, there. Didn't really perform much until 2000. Okay. Uh, that's when I started performing. No, 2001. Yeah, I started performing again. And I've been performing okay. since 2001, really, you know. Really? Uh, 2001, 2002, yeah. I, I, How I, many shows I, I, a year do you do? Well, let me see. It, it depends, but it fluctuates anywhere from... 40 to 70, depending on, really? you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Yes. You know, you know. lately it's been more like 
35 to 50, you know. Okay. But, you know, on average, it's been, if I had to average over the year, it's been 40 to 70, somewhere in between, maybe 50. That's amazing. Years, that's know, like almost once, that's once a week, just about. Yeah, every once year. a week, yeah. Wow, good for you, yeah, man. Yeah, so it's probably a little less than that. It's probably a little less than that. You yeah, know, okay. Get, you know, two shows a weekend, three. Like three, I, I do like three to four shows uh, a month sometimes, then some shows, some months. I might not do. I might do one show. So it's about yeah. But then sometimes I'm doing a show every week. So yeah, it's yeah. Been, it's, okay. it's been different years. You know, I don't know how how they fluctuate and how they move, but it's been giving me opportunity to stay, you know, relevant, to make some money, yeah. to move forward, to you know, pursue some other projects, take care of the family. Cool. You know, okay. they don't make me uh, super rich or nothing like that. But hey, sure. I mean, but hey, if you can, if you're happy and you can pay your bills, that's all that matters, right? Hey, that's the blessing. That that's is the it. blessing. More money yeah. comes. More money always comes, you know? Yeah. We can make money, you know? Yeah. But, you know, you have to put in the work for it, so that's just right. put in the work right now. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Cool. Okay. So I'm curious. This is one of those opinions I mentioned that I'm – a theory I'm trying to work out, and I wonder if you – what you think about this. It feels like to me that the – you know, we talk a lot about the golden age of hip-hop being that kind of the end of the 80s into the early 90s with the De La Souls and the Prince Paul produced stuff, you know, Beastie Boys or whatever. Those were good days. And I feel like gangster rap came along and just sort of devoured all of it. It made the sort of aggression and the militancy and the crime and the anger and all that kind of stuff. It made that more exciting to listeners than maybe some of the more artistic rap like yours was. Am I crazy in feeling that way? Did you sense as the kind of rapper that you were that gangster rapper, whatever it was, harder, more aggressive rap was coming along and sort of overshadowing people like you, artists like you? And was it hard for you to overcome that? Or am I crazy in feeling that way? No, that's what I was saying about the 95 album with the Roland Dane album. I didn't think it was edgy enough for what was going on in uh-huh. the industry, you know, or what yeah. people were looking to hear. You know, it, everything was a little bit more edgy, edgy where mine was, you know, it was hard, don't get me wrong, it was dope music, but yeah. I guess to, to the to the listener, it wasn't what, you know, the, the hardcore-ish, yeah. you know, type of vibe that was going on, you know, or what yeah. the DJs or what the people who were promoting um, music at mm-hmm. the time were, you know, because, you know, it's, it's about cycles of what people promote, you know, as well. It's yeah. not just all about what the artist's putting out. You know, there's a whole bunch of things yeah. out right now. It's just that the, you know, the powers that be feel that this this sound of music is what the kids are calling for, what's making yeah. them money, and so that's what they're going to do. But as yeah. you can tell, hip-hop will never be caged, you know, right? It cannot yeah. be caged. It right. changes, it metamorphoses, it fuses, yeah. it becomes something different. It's always hip-hop, though. You yeah. know what I mean? And that's the great thing about it, you know, so... You know, it's, it's a cycle, you know what I mean? Okay. And uh, okay. with that cycle, uh, I got new music coming right now myself. I actually got a nice. song out with, um, that I'm just releasing called uh, Monolithic with uh, as a, a group called Greatness, myself, and uh, a cat named Nigel Stargate. So cool. uh, well, that will be out uh, now. Genomous, colossal, tremendous, big, gigantic, monolithic, incomparable, unstoppable, authentic, original, and monolithic. Huge, enormous, colossal, tremendous, big, gigantic, monolithic, incomparable, unstoppable, authentic, original, and monolithic.
monolithic. I'm the golden child, I'm the cast me out. I'm hung like woke, kitties be like rhyme. Move round the oats from coast to coast. Flow so thorough, sucker MC's ghost. I'm everything Brooklyn, USA, Fort Greene, NYC, H-Town, LA. Forget it, big worldwide, it's okay. It was destined from inception to be this way. Cause this is the way you verbalize. This is the way you harmonize. This is the way you keep it fly. I know you hate to say it, I'm more swag than you It's not by chance, I'm more advanced You smudge, name's the expanse Huge, enormous, colossal, tremendous, big, gigantic Monolithic, incomparable, unstoppable, authentic, original, and monolithic Huge, enormous, colossal, tremendous, big, gigantic Monolithic, incomparable, unstoppable, authentic, original, and monolithic From the CPT to the NYC Everybody knows Dickie Dang I feel like now with, you know, the internet and social media and everything like that, I feel like it's brought creativity back to hip-hop and because I felt like creativity was kind of pushed out in favor of that more gangster, harder sound. So it, it just, I felt like it overshadowed people like you. But that's how, and, and, and the sad side, the sad part of that is for fans like me, we don't get to hear enough Dana Dane in our life. And, and I just lost interest in rap when it got too aggressive. That's probably... You know, maybe in a white kid from Salt Lake City, but that's just kind of how I felt. So, anyway, you know what I'm glad to know. Music, though. People like to hear it, you know, and they hear it in their houses and things of that sort, and they like the music, but they also like to hear it in settings. So it yeah, becomes true. more of a group and social event. So when people are not playing your song or Dana Dane's song on the radio or at a event or a block party or yeah. a house party or a party, uh, even if you like it at home and listen to your car, it doesn't have the same feeling because you don't feel like it's True. connecting with anybody else sometimes. Good point. And, um, that's what's missing for classic artists that are trying to create an opportunity for themselves. Yeah, they got good music, but there's no social arena. Even though people are listening to it in their own little cubicles or spaces yeah. they have, there's no arenas where people are playing and hearing the music and saying, ooh, that's our music we've got in common, mm-hmm. let's party, or whatever it is it may mm-hmm. be. So. That's what I'm looking to do, and that's what the Internet offers, though, to a certain yeah. extent, you know what I mean? And I, an opportunity to share the music or share the vibe of the music and uh, it, it give you a little bit more yeah. cho- choices. Millennials Good have point. a lot of choices. Very they true. make a lot of that's choices true. for themselves. So I, yeah. I, I, I'm, lo- I'm looking at my hip-hop becoming millennial hip-hop, but yeah. from a sense of a classic hip-hop artist, I'm making millennial hip-hop music sounding just like myself because I wanted to be able to have choices. To and, and be where it want to be and fit in where it wants to fit in and not yeah. have to fit into the pocket that people say it's supposed to be. So yeah. that makes any yeah. sense. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Okay. I was watching a clip of you talking about the making of Cinderella. And in the clip, you were talking about your book, Numbers, which I want to ask you about. But in there, you right. said something that really struck me. Uh, you were saying one of the motivations for writing the book was that you were still trying to find your passion. And Maybe you were just saying that, or maybe that's true. Because I think, you know, I think we can all relate to how that feels. You're not a kid anymore. You have a regular job. you got bills to pay. Wouldn't it be great if you could follow your passion? But we're so tied to, you know, our responsibilities. And I wondered if you still felt that way, because you've got your book. You started a clothing store, I believe. I want to ask you about that. You're you're still doing – you're hosting a show on Sirius Radio – I don't have Sirius, so I have Sirius, Yeah, yeah, I'm not doing that anymore. Yeah. Oh, you're not? Yeah, I'm not doing okay. Sirius anymore. Yeah, yeah, that was a few years back. But I got another okay. radio station that I just started, uh, voice uh, doing on-air personality in Las Vegas. 
Uh, oh. So that's going to be coming real soon. But, yeah, with, with that, well, I never really had to think about my passion. That's why. You know, I don't think, you know, my passion was art. Coming yeah. up, and that's what I thought my passion was art. And you know, so I went to school for art, and then uh, that's how I went and met Slick Rick. I was in school for art, he was in school for art, and we probably met at an art class most likely. Um, yeah. so with that said, you know, when it went to when hip hop came in and I was dressed in fly because I've always been dressed fresh, that was my first introduction into hip hop. It was the look to me, you know, I heard the music, yeah. but I, I was more into the look of what hip hop was. Then I got into the art as I listened to the music, you know. And then lastly, I got into the music of it and wanting to be a, a part of that. But with that, I had made music. Uh, I was famous, I, you know. I had everything, you know, I thought yeah. I wanted. And then I was trying to figure out when, you know, when it came to the second album, I wasn't driven as I yeah. was for the first album. Makes and sense. I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, so then I had asked myself, you know, I wrote the book, and I was like, what is my passion? Yeah, yeah, I found my passion though since then. Yeah, my really? passion, and I thought, yeah, see, because I thought it was a, I thought it was a one thing thing, you know. But yeah. it didn't, you know, you have to really take account of what you're doing and see what yeah. you're doing, you know. Yeah. So it's been art, it's been rap, it's been uh, writing a book. My passion is being creative. My passion is yeah. creating a concept and completing it and starting over again. That's yeah. my passion. That's what that I like to do. The creative process. To create something, complete it, and then go on to the next thing and create something even doper and better. So, yeah. it's, and but it's all the foundation of my my passion is hip hop, though. You know, okay. it's all yeah. it's all founded in hip hop. It comes from that. Everything that comes out of me is hip hop because everything I've learned, other than from God and my mother, has been from hip hop. So it. it's, it's yeah. hip hop rooted. Okay. So you know, and is Death Beat is that like your media company? Yeah, Death Beat I, Entertainment. Okay. Yeah, Definite Entertainment is my media company, my multimedia company. That's where I started doing my own music. Because in 2005, I released a solo, I mean, not a solo project, but an independent project under Definite Entertainment called Dan and Dan and the Great Unknowns. And what the Great Unknowns and the Great Unknowns was about, it was a lot of artists that, and when I was in Brooklyn, you know, just doing my regular day-to-day living and whatever they had you. Yo, Dane, I want to do a record with you. Dane, I want to uh-huh. do a record with you. So after a while, I had about seven, eight songs with different artists who was trying to get in the game, and I liked their style, and I liked their, you know, their drive, and I said, okay, that I'm going to take the songs I did with them and just put it all in one album called The Danny Danny and the Great Unknown, the pop to get them oh, nice. out as soon as be seen. She been shaking her butt all over the place. She been shaking her butt in everybody's face. She been shaking it up, she been shaking it down. Moving in and out, shaking all around. Now show me, that's right, just show me. Come on, girl, show me. That's right, show me. Come on now, show me what you got. Show me what you got. Show me what you got down there. Come on, girl, show me what you got. Show me what you got. Show me what you got down there. Come on now, show me what you got. Show me what you got. Show me what you got down there. Show me what you got. Show me what you got. Show me what you got down there. Yeah, yes, sir, Roy. We in the right place ever. The chance to pop it off tonight. Excellent. Oh, sicky, sicky, gonna bang, bang, boogie. Work to Jackie O. We in the house of good looky. Oh, Lord, body like Melissa Ford. Which one I'm gonna flow with? Hard to keep my focus. My mind fast forward. I'm ready to splash off. This spot never been rocked. Here's the crash course. We the double. Double your fun. Double your pleasure. If you let us and you be like double forever. Ooh, we classic. Pop lock your booty. Had to put my hands on that juicy, juicy. So in 2005, we released that project. Uh, another learning lesson, didn't have the money. 
You know, I started yeah. strong, but didn't have the money to completely uh, finish off the, the promotions and marketing of it. So okay. it's there. I, I'm probably going to re-release it. It's on iTunes. I'll probably re-release okay. it again and let people know it's there. But if you've got some good songs in there, man, you know, I find myself in making good songs. I had one misstep with the Dan Dang forever, even though I was still doing as best as I could do at that time, or I thought uh-huh. I could do. But, you know, I, I make good songs, man. That's what yeah, I do. you do. I make good you songs, sure do. Man. Yeah. You know? Okay, and I've been. Uh, I just discovered your uh, that web, kind of your web series or those videos you post with you and your wife. Dana says. Oh Dana yeah. Says. Those are funny. Yeah, so that's part of, yeah, yeah, that's part of my multimedia Deputy entertainment. So we went from okay. music to doing films, and you know, I said I wanted to get into doing films, and I, I produced a DVD series with Joseph uh, C. Grant Jr. So that was like five parts, thirty minutes each. We did that with okay. no money. You know, like four hundred dollars, yeah. probably four or five, and then from there, yeah. you know, my wife was like, you know, people always talk about how we talk to each other, and they think it's amusing, you know, like, and she's yeah. like, we should do a show. I said, I don't want to do no show. She's like, come on, you talk about you want to be in the media, and I like, all right, and then I came up with the name Dana says, Tana says, and uh, yeah. we said just started shooting, and it was natural, and so we've been doing it for some years now, two thousand eleven, great, and we're here two thousand seventeen, and you know. We haven't been consistent. We do about six shows a year. This year, we last year we did about uh, ten shows. So we we okay. stepped our game up. So we're looking to do about more, even double that amount of shows. We're actually in the midst of pitching the DSTS show to become a reality TV show. Good. So who knows? Okay. Maybe I might see us on some reality TV. Having who knows? Doing that. Okay. Yeah, that's right. okay. It's all possible. It's all cool. Possible. And Def Beat is. You're doing well enough with Def Beat that that can be your primary source of income these days, or is it still the touring, or is it a little bit of everything? No, it's just really the the the, the, the touring that makes it happen for Def Beat. <laughs> okay. You know what I okay. mean? That's one everything that I do for Def Beat and the living and all that type of stuff. So okay. need to get more shows, right? Yeah. But, uh, okay. And, you, and sell some deep, some uh, Def Beat shows. But we're close, you know. Okay. We're close. I've been in the Good. I've been in the film game for some years now. You know, you just got to keep moving forward. That's the only thing. Yeah. I, can, I wish I could say something different, man. But you know, no, I'm, I'm putting okay. in the work. I'm enjoying the journey. Sure. And you know, just for people listening, you got to put in the work, enjoy the journey, and yeah. move it forward. And and all the you know everything that you want is coming, man. It's yeah. all coming. So. Yeah, sounds good. Okay. I keep clicking on your website and it's down. And I've had a hard time even finding you on Facebook. Are you per? Do you? Oh, dandadang. dot com. Yeah, because I'm moving it over. And so I was having a problem with the server people. Okay. And I was like, you know what? I'm just shutting it down because you're, you're, you're bugging out. You know? Okay. So, so yeah, okay. I'm moving it over. I'm just slow on the on the on the dot com. But uh, okay. I wasn't even nothing up there except for my bio and my uh, t-shirts. But I, I got to put it back up because okay. I like uh, I like promoting dandadang.com, dandadang.com. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I heard you do that. I love that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So if fans want to connect with you, what's the best way to do that? I don't think you're on Facebook. or are you? I, I just I'm everywhere, man. I'm everywhere, you are? man. I'm okay. everywhere. Dana Dane Media, across all social media. Dana okay. Dane Media. Snapchat okay. to Twitter to Facebook to Good. Instagram okay. to whatever I else did they just, got. I've know. been looking for Dana Dane on there for a while and haven't found it, but I found it. a thousand Dana Danes. Everybody's Dana Dane now. I'm the original. Yeah. There was no Dana Dane before me. Now there's a million Dana Danes. I have to go trademark <laughs> the people going crazy. That's I mean, right. Listen, you can have it for fun, but don't try to use it. It was this DJ somewhere in Florida or something talking about he called himself DJ Dana Dane. I said, no, dude. No, no. There will be no DJ Dana Dane. No. <laughs> 
ain't spelling it yeah. like my name, you know? Yeah. I mean, do something else, man, you know? Yeah, so I did find a Dana Dane with all caps, and that I think might be you. Dana Dane, all caps on Facebook, if anyone wants to try and find that. I don't know. Maybe yeah, might, that might be me, but I thought it was Danny Dane Media as well, but it, it might be that. You know what I mean? Okay. So you put well, anyway. Danny Dane Media, usually pulls up a picture okay. of me. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, hopefully people find it. All right. Well, look, just to wrap up, I want to hear what your what is your favorite story from your career. What When you look back and you think about the amazing ups and downs you've experienced and the highs and the lows, what is just the tastiest, best memory from your career, the thing that I can't believe this happened to me? Well, it's uh, the one I always tell because this is the, the most amazing thing that has happened to me in my career. To me, I guess I've, I've done more amazing things in this, but they, to me they pale in comparison. Maybe I'll think about it later. But I always tell, tell the same story. My favorite group in hip-hop, you know, my favorite group, period, is Houdini. Uh-huh. You know, uh, so it's 1986, it's the Fresh Fest, it's LL, it's Houdini, it's BT Boys, it's Lummy and C. I go backstage at the garden, and I run to Grandmaster D of Houdini. And I'm like, yo, Grandmaster D, it's a pleasure. And he's like, yeah. yo, Dana Dane. He's like, he's from Brooklyn, and the night is, he's talking about my song, and I play that all the time, just going crazy, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Like, man, you understand, man. I love Houdini, <laughs> man. Y'all love me, you know. So he takes me in the back, and uh, he introduced me to y'all little SC, and then locked in the dressing room. And, uh, like, yo, and I'm like, between the media, like, and they, they both like, yeah, whatever. And, uh, all right, we uh-huh. met you. We'll see you. Now get out of here. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Basically, because you had it, you know, at back in the days, it was like being a rookie in basketball. You had to carry bags first. Of course. Like, you get the game, you know? So, That's right. But with that said, uh, you know, after that, you know, uh, me and Grandmaster, he stayed cool. And he was like, yo, we're going on tour soon, man. You know, you should come out with us. I'm like, yeah, maybe one day, man, I'm going to tour. So two weeks later, he called me. He said, Dane, pack a bag, man. Meet down here, downtown Brooklyn. We're leaving to go on tour, man. We're going to be away for two weeks. And I told my mom, I'm going on tour with Houdini. And before I even got on the road, I mean, I've done some shows for Nightmares, but I had never been on the road, like on uh-huh. tour, on multiple dates. I was on the road with Houdini, traveling city to city no on the, the, the Fresh Fest tour on the, on, on Jalil and Exodus. Yeah. Bus. Wow. And being Grandmaster D, Houdini's bus. So <laughs> that, that's, that's amazing to me. That's from, a dream uh, come true know. right there. Yeah, yeah, come on. From loving yeah. him from afar and listening to music to, I'm on the bus with Houdini. These are my friends. Man. Well, they wouldn't quite, but after a while. <laughs> that's amazing. I love yeah. stuff like that. That's cool. Well, good deal, man. Thanks for so much for talking to me. I've been a fan since I was 14 years old. I've always been curious about you and what your story is and where you've been and everything. It's good to know you're doing well. And thank you for what you've put out in the world. It's good stuff. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you for your time. There you have it, Dana Dane. Hope you guys enjoyed that. That was surreal for me. I played his first album with fame like crazy when I was a teenager. I really felt like I had found this piece of gold. It was nuts. Uh, His second album, Forever, from 1990, kind of got short shrift in this conversation and just in general when it came out. So I wanted to play another song off that. This is the title track. Hope you guys like it. 
So for the next few weeks, honestly, six weeks or more, we're going to be primarily focused on the 70s. Uh, some of the guests we have started in the 60s and carried over to the 70s. Some of them carried over into the 80s and beyond. But everyone we're going to be talking to had a moment, a big moment in the 70s. And next week's guest is maybe the most successful artist of the 70s, if not the most top three for sure. His sound defined the decade. There's no escaping it. So I hope you guys will come back and find out who that is. You can find us on Facebook and you can like our page and you can send me a message on there if there's somebody you want us to track down for you. You can send me an email at thehustlepod at gmail.com or you can find us on Twitter at thehustlepod. Please go into iTunes. If you're a regular listener and you have not yet written a review for us or at least subscribe to the podcast, please go do that. That's how we get numbers and numbers help us get good guests. So I hope you guys will do that. Huge thanks as always to Yan the Man Makevich for putting everything together. Thank you, Yan. We will talk to you guys next Tuesday. Thanks, everyone. He's a legend in the making.